chapter 6. And our message title today is Scars Tell a Story. Scars Tell a Story. And our, our takeaway from today is asking ourselves the question and trying to answer that question, can people today tell that we belong to Jesus? Can the world that we live in, the people that we interact with, or even the ones that just pass us on the street, can they tell that we belong to Jesus? That's an important question for us to ask ourselves. Now, this book, this letter that we're reading in today, the, the book and the letter, uh, the book of Galatians to the letter of Galatia, was written by Paul, and he started this letter by talking about the grace of God. He said, grace and peace be to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And he started it with that, and he ended it with that as well. And this is what he said at the end. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I believe that grace is God giving us what we need, which is forgiveness. God giving us what we need instead of what we deserve, which is punishment. Giving us what we need instead of giving us what we deserve. And I think therein shows us again how much we are loved by this God who created us. And he had been preaching, Paul had preached that salvation was by grace through faith alone. Now don't let that just, just run by you. That's one of those phrases that we hear a lot. Don't really need to pay attention to that. But yes, we do. Again, his, pre his preaching was that salvation is by grace through faith. So in other words, if you had to apply a formula to that, it would be Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Now, you struggled in math like me. I understand your hesitancy to even pay attention to that because there's a plus and an equals in the statement. But Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. You don't need anything else. And so we don't need to add anything else to it. I had, we were having a conversation this morning about how sometimes when you ask people about their uh, salvation or their, their testimony, um, it's Jesus plus I go to church and I give to the church and I, I, I volunteer my time. But it's Jesus plus nothing. And the problem for the church at Galatia was that there were people who were not preaching the same thing. Instead, they were preaching a what we would call a false gospel. They were preaching Jesus plus keeping the Jewish law equals salvation. So innocently do we say, yeah, I believe you just believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus, but I also believe that you have to, and you finish it any way you want or any way other people say it. Salvation is through Jesus alone. You don't need anything else to it. You don't need to add anything to it. And so he wrote this letter to this church because he wanted them to reject the teachings of these Judaizers, of these people spreading a false gospel. They were talking about their accomplishments, what they had done, how they kept the Sabbath, and how they kept all the, the different uh, uh, meals and, and, and different festivals. And one of the things that in particular really got, I'm going to use this expression, you may or may not have heard it, 
this thing that got uh, Paul's goat, the thing that really got his goat, was that they were saying that especially, well, the men had to be circumcised. They had to undergo this religious surgery, a circumcision. And he reminded them of the physical marks that he had on his own body. And he said, these give a stronger testimony than the circumcision, slow down, which is what they were preaching. So those scars of Paul told a story. They told a story. And what kind of story did they tell? They told a story of his love for Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the story that they told. But let's go ahead and read our scripture today from Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, from now on, in other words, from now on. Kids, have you ever had your parents tell you, all right, from now on, from now on you don't do this and from now on you will do that. Well, this is what he's saying. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So his, his appeal there at the end was, hey, from now on, guys, from now on, I don't want to hear any, I don't want you to have any more trouble out of these or from these Jewish leaders. They brag about their mark of circumcision, but I have visible marks on my body that settle the argument. He said, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So what can we learn from these scars? Let's talk about that this morning. I think the first thing that we see is that scars tell a story of pain. Scars tell a story of pain. You probably had some scars on your body. Maybe you've been involved in an accident. Maybe you've had a surgery. Uh, Whatever the case, every scar on your body tells a story. And we're talking about physical scars, physical scars. I've visited people from our church, and, and I've visited people just in general, and the cardiac care unit of the hospital who have had open-heart surgery. And you know the scar that is left behind uh, in the middle of the chest because of an open-heart surgery, it looks painful. And what a reminder it must be to those who who go through that, uh, to, to remember, you know, just remember the pain and the difficulty that they went through when they experienced that. It's interesting, too, to, to note that the, the physician has to actually hurt the, the patient to heal the patient, hurt the, the patient to help the patient. Those surgeries have saved a lot of lives. <clears throat> Those types of Scars tell a story for sure. And I've got plenty of scars as well, and each one tells a story. I've got a scar on my index finger. I've got three scars in each section of my finger that I got from a rusty nail that we had used to nail a makeshift ladder up a tree. 
and I fell down the tree, down the ladder, and as I tried to catch myself, I caught the nail here, here, and here, and I have scars because of that. And I have a scar on the top of my head that you cannot see, but it's there, and I got that when I jumped on my dad's back when he was trying to take a nap, and, and he was reaching back to get me off, and I you know, swayed backwards to miss his arm, and I fell off the bed and hit my head on the nightstand. And I got five stitches in my head, and I have a scar because of that. I also have a scar uh, over my right eye, and I have absolutely no idea where that came from, but it's there. And I know there's a story behind it. I just can't remember what it is. And then, of course, I've had surgery on my foot, and, you know, there are going to be scars with those types of surgery. So every one of those has a story. And Paul's, Paul's scars were no different. We read in Acts chapter 14, um, how he was so hated by the Jews in Lystra that they dragged him outside the city and they threw him off a cliff and they grabbed rocks, big heavy rocks that you had to pick up with two hands and they hurled those stones onto Paul to stone him and to kill him. You can imagine the wounds that he had as a result of that. And the only reason they stopped is because they thought he was dead. But he wasn't. He survived it. And he had scars from that experience to show what he had been through. He carried those scars the rest of his life. And then there were the times when Paul was beaten by Roman soldiers. Uh, you know, the Jews, when they, when they whipped you, they would give you 40 lashes, and they would stop counting at 39 because they didn't want to overdo it. <clears throat> but the Romans, they kept on doing it sometimes. They just kept beating and kept hurting so Paul knew what it was like to have his back bared and his hands tied to a whipping post and to have a Roman soldier take a cat of nine tails with leather strips and pieces of bone and rock on the end of it that would rip and tear the flesh as it was used on his body. And he gladly carried those scars with him because he called them, all of them, the scars of Christ. And every one of those scars had a story. Those are physical scars. But let's talk a minute about emotional scars. The physical scars, I think probably everybody here maybe has some. But emotional scars, I know everybody has emotional scars. Can't see those, but they're there nonetheless. Sometimes it's because we have a broken heart. Sometimes we've experienced a lot of loss, a great loss in our lives. And because of that, we have been wounded and we have scars. Sometimes we have uh, been in situations where we escaped a catastrophe, maybe. And as a result of that, we have wounds, uh, emotional wounds and scars. Sometimes we're in relationships that didn't work out right, things like that. You've got combat veterans that come back, and they don't have any physical scars, maybe, but they, they suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. And so they have emotional scars that are difficult. But even beyond that, I would say that every hurtful word that has ever been said to you, especially from people you love and people you respect and look up to, have left emotional scars. Every humiliating situation that you've been in, every mistake that you've made that you just can't seem to forget, those things kind of stay in your mind. And those past experiences just kind of keep coming to the surface 
And we constantly relive those things, don't we? Sometimes we just bring them up and we relive them and we begin to feel all the emotions that we felt when we went through it the first time. And I liken that to how if you don't deal with a wound that you have, it can fester and become infected and become a really big problem. And if we don't allow the Lord to handle those emotional uh, and spiritual situations, wounds that we have, then that can happen as well. And bitterness can take root. But the remedy to that is Jesus. The remedy to that is forgiveness. Forgiveness for those that hurt and offended you. You may think, but I've been hurt so bad, forgiveness is not an option. And I'll point you to Jesus who has been offended way more than you have or I have. And he was willing to forgive all. He forgave all. So it is possible. Forgiveness is possible. And it's something we need to really, really allow and to take part and, and to happen in our lives and in our relationships. Because all of us suffer these emotional wounds and all of us have emotional scars. So not only are they a, a picture of pain and suffering, but they also can be signs of sacrifice. They can be signs of sacrifice in our life. Paul, I think as we read what he says here, I think he's pleased with the scars that he has. And he gave, they gave testimony to his service to the Lord. They gave testimony to the sacrifices that he made for Jesus. You know, you think about that time he was stoned and, and he had scars from that. And I think, too, about the time when he was shipwrecked and he was floating in the water. And you know what happens to your skin when you're in water for a long time? You get all pruney, you know. And while that may not leave a scar, you know, it does have an effect on us. And even though the, the many times he was beaten, uh, the other shipwrecks, uh, he was beaten with rods, he was stoned, he had a prison record. But he said he would write all of that off as nothing. Because he said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what were these marks? What did they mean to Paul? And I think we can take a look at Paul and see a couple of different things here. I think that we can see that his scars for him were a mark of ownership. They showed who he belonged to. More so than keeping the rules and the regulations and being circumcised. They showed his, his ownership. You know, a lot of times, uh, the Roman, in Roman times specifically, a slave was often branded with a hot iron. And Paul repeatedly referred to himself as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And he considered the marks on his body marks of ownership because he belonged to Jesus. And you know, it reminds me of how cattle is brand branded in this day and time. A lot of people will brand the cattle that they have so that in case a steer leaves the, the ranch and goes somewhere else, they can go find it and say, hey, that's got our, our brand on it. Let's take it back. He belongs to us. We'll take him back home. And even though uh, a lot of people nowadays, they'll use like uh, tags with computer chips, people are still using the old way uh, to show ownership. 
And in our country, one of the fastest growing styles of churches are cowboy churches. And, you know, I think probably many of you have heard about this or seen these or maybe even visited cowboy churches. Everybody wears cowboy boots and blue jeans. And, you know, that can happen here, and that's fine. But I think most everybody does at a cowboy church. And there's like, I think, roughly 5,000 of these cowboy churches in America today. And one of the most popular names that they like to use for their church is the Cross Brand Cowboy Church. The Cross Brand Cowboy Church of Newton, North Carolina, you could imagine. And the idea that they're giving is that the idea that a, a cross has been branded to their heart and that they belong to Jesus. And Paul had these scars. He had scars all over his body that marked him as being owned by Jesus. And, you know, we do have scars. We do have physical scars, but we may not have physical scars on us that people would look at and say, you're a Christian. But when people look at us, can they tell that we do belong to Jesus? I mean all the time. I don't mean just at church. I don't mean just at Bible school. I don't mean just at weddings and funerals and things of that nature. I mean wherever we go. Can they tell that we belong to Jesus? When we're at school, kids, do our friends know that we're, we're, we belong to Jesus? At where we work, can people tell that we belong to Jesus? Is this important? It's, it's so, so important because the statement that sometimes you're the only Bible that some people will ever read, I think that puts a lot of pressure on us, doesn't it? But there's some truth in it because people need to see Christ in us and Christ through us. And that needs to be something that we long for and we desire for. The Bible even tells us we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We do belong to Him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul considered his marks and scars marks of ownership. Honor God with your body. At church, honor God with your body. At school, Honor God with your body at work. Honor God with your body at home. Honor God with your body when you're out with your friends. Honor God with your body wherever you go so that people can know who you belong to. It's so important. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what that song is all about. So, marks of ownership. He also saw these marks as marks of loyalty to Jesus. Marks of loyalty. In ancient times, sometimes soldiers would get a tattoo to identify with their army or with their leader. Now, Alexander the Great, he was considered a great leader. Uh, he was good at, at defeating people and taking over areas. And one thing that some people said made him great was the loyalty and the allegiance of his soldiers, who many would, most would have the Greek letter uh, Alpha tattooed on their hand so that they could identify that they were part of Alexander's troops, part of Alexander's army. It was their way of saying, I pledge my loyalty to Alexander the Great. Paul told Timothy, Paul told young Timothy 
In 2 Timothy 2.3, he said to endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus. So, as soldiers of the cross, we're involved in some warfare as well. And we may suffer persecution because of who we identify with, who our Savior is. There will be battles and there may be scars because of that. Also, let me give you another example. If you read in uh, the stories of King Arthur and the Round Table, and you read how they came together at Camelot, and they talked about the stories, they would come together and talk about the, the stories of battles that they had been through. Uh, the bravest warriors would always stand around the king because the enemy knew that if he could defeat the leader, if they could get into where the king was and kill the king, then the battle was almost won. So the ones that stuck closest to the king were usually the ones that got injured the most as they tried to really shield and protect the king from any harm in this story. And they proudly showed off their scars as proof of their loyalty. I got this scar in this battle when so-and-so came and tried to take a spear and shove it into to the, to our leader's side. So it showed loyalty. And you know, as we stand with Jesus, chances are we're going to have some battle scars too. How do we get battle scars in standing for and standing with Jesus? How about the possibility of losing a family member because you have become a Christian? We've heard stories of that. People of other faiths have come to faith in Christ and their families have disowned them. That's going to leave scars. That's your family. That's, that's who you spent your time with as you've been alive on this earth. And they want nothing to do with you because now you identify with Jesus. And you identify as a Christian. What about the fact that you may have missed out on some things? Maybe a promotion. Because you told your boss, I cannot work on a Sunday because Sunday is when I go to church and I worship and I have responsibilities. And that's so important to me. Well, it must not be that important or this job must not be that important because you were up for a promotion, but because of what you just told me, you can forget it. Those types of battle scars can be expected as we live in this world that we live in. And then finally, I think Paul saw these scars as a mark of identity. I bear the scars of Jesus. I identify with him. He didn't call them marks of punishment or marks of battle. He called them marks of Jesus. And I think what he was implying was that these wounds that he had and these scars that had developed as a result were a powerful point of contact with Jesus and even with the wounds that Jesus experienced. You know, the Roman soldiers mutilated Jesus before he went to the cross. And I wonder if Paul was thinking about that every time the whip struck his back. He said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. That was his main ambition, his singular ambition. That's what he wanted. He wanted to know Jesus experientially. What do I mean by that? It's a big, long word. Well, he didn't want to just know about Jesus up here. He wanted to experience 
He wanted to relate. He wanted to understand. He wanted deeper than just this knowledge up here. And so those marks gave him, made him like a kindred spirit with Jesus. Not that it made him better than other Christians who hadn't suffered the same thing, but there was just a connection there. Now really, there's real, no stronger connection that can be had than when you accept Christ into your life because He comes and lives inside and cannot get any closer. He cannot get any closer than what's happened already. Even though we have a tendency, Lord, I want to draw closer to You. I want to be nearer to You. I want to draw close to You. He's already here. But I believe that in experiencing the things that He did, in like ways that Jesus had experienced, I think there was a connection there that he loved and that he appreciated and it helped him as he served the Lord on this earth. He was willing to lose every, every earthly possession he had to intimately know Christ, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He said everything else is garbage compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And the early apostles as well, they believed that participating in the fellowship of Christ's suffering was part of our preparation for sharing in his future glory. You know, Christ was crucified. But Galatians 2.20 says that we have also been crucified. And that, that helps us to understand in a small way what it was for Christ to do what he did. You know, there's going to be sacrifices we have to make. But it's because we identify with Him. He is who we are. He has given us this life that we have. He's given us this new heart and this new life. And while the world and the, and the prince of the power of the air, Satan, will do his best to get you to forsake that and appreciate more the thrills and the fun things that this world has to offer, we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice that so that we can live the life that God wants us to live. I believe there are certain things. Now, grace is, is good, but grace is not a free ticket to do anything. And I believe there are things in this world that a lot of Christians will say, well, I can do it because of grace. But be very careful because those roads are dangerous roads, and they can cause a lot of trouble. And decisions that we can make can cause a lot of difficulty in our lives. But this is what Paul explained to Timothy. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. You're going to be made fun of. People aren't going to understand you. You're going to be weird to people. They're going to call you names. They're not going to get why some things are important to you that aren't important to them. They don't care. I don't, I don't need that. Oh, how wrong they are. But we're going to suffer some persecution. And sometimes there's going to be scars because of that. Peter urged believers in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange was happening to you, but instead be glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in the suffering, in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Paul uh, told his believers in Philippians to have the same attitude or the same mindset 
as Christ. Our preparation for heaven involves becoming like Christ, being conformed to His image. And what did Jesus embody when He was on this earth? Humility and obedience to God. Humility and obedience to God. And He walked a path that led to death. What a way to encourage a, a lost person to get saved. <laughs> you got to be humble. You got to be obedient. You got to walk a road that's going to lead to death. But we're all going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die. But what you do from the time that you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you to the time you breathe your last breath or he pulls you out of here in the rapture, there's a lot. What, it matters how we live in that space. It matters. Now, we went on a mission trip to Honduras in the early 2000s. And our leader, one of the things that he constantly harped on, I believe, was that you got to be willing to die and be a martyr for Jesus. You know, I wonder sometimes if they were upset with us that we didn't go to Costa Rica and instead we went to Honduras because originally we were supposed to go to Costa Rica. But it was politically not a, a, a safe place. It wasn't a good place to go. And sometimes I wonder if he felt like, well, you should have gone there. You should have been willing to be a martyr for Jesus. I'm more of the mindset that if I can keep myself alive, I'll be able to witness to more people, so I want to go down that road. But I know that whatever happens, you know, I, whatever road that I go down, if, it, if I'm headed to Honduras or if I'm headed to work or if I'm coming to church or if I'm going here or going there, if I have decisions to make in my life and choices to make, I know because of the relationship I have with him, you know, sometimes we get so worried about making the right choice and doing the right thing. Just be humble and be obedient to God because at the end of every road for a Christian, who's waiting for you at the end of that road? Every road, every door, Jesus is waiting for you. <laughs> and at the same time, he's living in you. He's amazing, isn't he? That's just crazy, isn't it? He's living in you. He's waiting for you. He's gone to prepare a place so that you can be there too. No wonder people think we're crazy. But even the Bible tells us we're peculiar, so that's okay. Uh, right before Paul said, spoke about the fellowship of his sufferings, he said that his goal was to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So as you and I share this road together, and sometimes there's going to be hardships, and sometimes there is going to be persecution, Jesus is going to be with us. He's going to accompany us on that journey. He's always with us. And he has pledged that resurrection power to help us in and through whatever situation that we're in. We never have to feel like all is lost and there's no hope because for you and me that know Christ, we always have hope because we have Jesus. And Jesus is hope. And the church said... Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a stigma attached to being a Christian in the world today. And it, it's becoming even more so. Um, what is a stigma? It's a mark of disgrace or infamy. It's a stain or reproach as on one's reputation. And if you're a Christian in this world today, you have a stigma attached to you that society 
has put on you and there is a hostility towards you. And it is becoming even more so as time passes. It's interesting though. I just saw something the other day where somebody said, I don't believe in God. And then like two minutes later, they're like, oh my God. That doesn't make any sense, does it? That would be like us saying, uh, oh, my one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. I mean, who believes in that? None of us do. But, you know, you tell people that you're a Christian and they think you're crazy. You go to church, do all that stuff, whatever. But sometimes, aren't those the very people that come to you and say, hey, look, I have a problem and I, you pray, right? You believe in prayer. Will you pray for me? Will you, will you just pray for me to your God? And you know what we'll say? Let's say, yes, I will. But you know what? He can, he can be your God too. And you can pray too. Just open up your heart. Open up your life to Him. And these things that you're going through, you'll know you're not alone. You are not alone. And when you can't reach me or you don't see me at work or you can't call me on the phone, you can always call Him. You'll never get His voicemail ever. He doesn't really text. He likes to talk. That's the kind of God that we have. Finally, the scars that Paul had reminded him, and it reminds us that God heals our wounds. God is a healer. That's, that's who he is known as, the healer. And you know, if you think about it, a scar is a good thing. I, I hope I'm saying this right, and I hope all our medical people in here, I think I'm doing this right. But a scar is basically a wound that has healed. And God will use a doctor and God will use antibiotics to help you heal. But when your tissue heals, God does that. God does that. Yes, He does. He does that. Time does not heal all wounds. God does. You know, one of the, one of the most difficult wounds in the song that I shared this morning, there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing. You're missing. My loved one is missing because they've gone. But God will heal that. Especially if you know that that loved one has gone on to be with heaven like that song shared. And you're going to be able to see him again one day. And you're going to be healed. That, that wound will be healed. But that's who he is. That's what he does. Um, he can heal not just your physical wounds, but those emotional wounds that you have, those spiritual wounds that you have as well. Listen to what Jeremiah thirty seventeen says. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. The Bible also tells us, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that by his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds, you've been, you have been healed. We have been healed. The wounds of Jesus are the reason why our wounds have been healed into scars. 
you know what? There's not going to be any of those scars in heaven. No spiritual scars. No, no emotional scars. No physical scars. We're not going to have those in heaven. And the only scars, and really it's been said this way too, and I like this, the only man-made thing in heaven um, will be the scars of Jesus Christ. The scars of Jesus and his scars tell the greatest story of all because his scars tell the story of a love that far surpasses any other love or feeling or emotion that you and I will ever have on this earth. Because he loved you, he loved you to death. He loved you to the very, la- the very last drop of blood, to the very last breath that he took on that cross. He loved you. And he loved you through that experience to the point where he rose again and he loves you. He loved you then and he loves you now. How can you say that? I wasn't even born back then. Oh, but, but he knew. He knows everything. Again, it's just mind-blowing what God is capable of and what he's done. All glory and honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. So those, those wounds, by those wounds, we're healed. Because of those wounds and what they represent and what happened, I can remember the story of Calvary and what that meant to me and what he did for me and how that impacts everything that happens in my life from here on out. But you know what? Those hands, those are very strong hands, aren't they? And you know, sometimes when you get a scar, you can sometimes feel maybe a phantom pain or a, or a hurting there in that area. And maybe you're gripping, gripping something if you've got a scar on your hand and you grab hold of it and you, you feel it and you have to let go because you just remember, maybe remember the pain or it's a phantom pain or whatever. But you're in the hands of Jesus. You're in those nail-scarred hands. And nothing can cause him to let you go. Nothing. Nothing that you've ever thought or felt or done or will think or will feel or will do will ever cause him to let you go. Never. And if that describes you, if being a child of God, if that's who you are, if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's true of you. Whether you're 5, 10, 20, 40, 50, whatever, that is true of you. And it can't be taken from you. What's your response to that? And for those that don't know that, you can know that. I'm not just up here for my health and just to be, li- just to be heard so you can hear my voice. I want you to hear what the words of God say the truth is. That's all we're concerned about is the truth, not not so much feeling, not so much emotion. Those things are good. God gave them to us. But let's go back to the truth and what the truth says, what the Word of God says. That's all we have. And for a couple thousand years, that's all we've needed. A lot of people have tried to add. A lot of people have tried to take away to no avail. But what remains is the Word of God. And His Word will be, listen, His Word will be the last word. So for you today... Do you know you're not going to heaven? Do you know you're not saved? Do you know that there is no relationship there that can change today?
And for those of you who know you have a relationship and you know and understand maybe a little better what that means and, and what those scars signify, what story they tell, what's your response to that? Is there anything in your life you want to do differently? Do you just want to give Him some praise? Do you just want to thank Him? Do you just want to love on, on Him a little bit? I want you to stand.